Welcome to the Defund DOC podcast. Very exciting prison stories, explosive prison politics, and the radical prison reform that this country really needs. Hosted by Daniel and Linda Sims. Linda, a recovering alcoholic, found joy and purpose helping others as a human rights and prison reform advocate. She is a behavioral health technician and case manager for treatment centers. Daniel has been in prison for over 20 years. While in prison, he rehabilitated himself, becoming a jailhouse board member of the National Lawyers Guild, litigating countless civil lawsuits to better prison conditions, writing the best-selling book, and widely known as a judicial prison reform expert and outspoken anti-racist. Together, they hope to inspire bold change. Thank you for joining. Please subscribe to receive new episodes. Now, enjoy. Welcome to the Defund DOC podcast. I'm Linda, and this is Daniel Sims. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our first inaugural podcast. This is a really special journey that we're on today, and I just want to welcome you, everybody, for being a part of it. The talk today mainly is going to be for the 10 lessons that we came up with, or not lessons, but the 10 reasons why you should become a prison reform activist. So I'm just going to start right off and start with number 10, mass incarceration overuses infractions for petty actions and inactions, diesel therapy, diesel treatment, which among other ill effects, emits fast levels of CO2 gases and solitary confinement, which is incredibly damaging mentally and a form of torture internationally through the Geneva Convention. So essentially that's just one segment of what the, uh, mass incarceration is uh, doing to this country. It's essentially they find they have all these petty infractions in prison so that they can keep our people inside the prisons, essentially keeping them in or, or getting them back in if they're on community custody. And they have diesel therapy and diesel treatment. Well, diesel therapy is for the federal system. Diesel treatment is the state version of it where they'll move you around for petty offenses. For instance, if you get a tattoo right up at one prison, the, you don't, you might not have the points, so they'll like move you all the way clear across the state to another prison, and then you do something there, and they'll, they'll move you all the way clear across the state for another offense, and that emits so much CO2 gas that it's affecting, it could affect uh, climate change. Also, they impose solitary confinement on almost everybody in this whole country, and uh, it's mentally traumatizing people. This is increasing recidivism, and it's actually a violation of international the Geneva Convention. So that's number 10. Do you have anything uh, to add on that one, Linda? Nope, I think you got it all. All right. So number nine, mass incarceration destroys family ties. So, I mean, this one speaks for itself. I mean, they separate families. They are destroying the uh, any kind of connections that you can have with your actual blood family. But then they're also destroying relationships with your women, with your wives, and the, they've actually done studies where this actually reduces recidivism by keeping p families together. So our goal is to bring to the table, bring to the conversation in this country that it's more important to keep our families together so that we can reduce crime. In other countries, Norway, for example, they allow prisoners to have more contact with their, their wives and their children. They come into the prison, they go, they have family outings and more family support. So um, that's one 
one thing that we like to identify and speak on. Uh, number eight. Do you have anything on on? Uh, oh, well, yeah. Matter of fact, she she's definitely got something to say on this one. Linda, what do you think about mass incarceration destroying family ties? Every time a prisoner goes back to prison, the chance of divorce increases by thirty two percent. Oh my goodness! So so in essence, instead of instead of having uh, that that person be treated like with a career and having being educated the first time he went to prison, they're getting out coming back, and so it's ruining the relationship. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's. A, it's not surprising, but it's sad, you know. Uh, number eight, mass incarceration imposes debilitating control, suppression, and violence. The extreme control inflicts a, a militaristic, adversarial, captor, captive dynamic against the troubled sons and daughters of America, as if there are enemies prisoner of war. The overwhelming suppression of creativity, identity, and communications ensures prisoners will lack autonomy and innovative free thinking necessary to break the cycle of recidivism to become productive members of society. In essence, our fellow Americans that are coming to prison are being so viciously oppressed and suppressed their free thinking that, uh, that, they're, that they're not able to uh, – to be to get out and have free uh, autonomy, you know what I mean? So uh yeah, that's definitely a huge some problem that we need to work on as a as a nation um because they used to have they used to have hobby shops, they used to have music rooms, they used to have all this stuff inside prisons, but they took it away around the 70s as mass incarceration exploded. So that's something that we need to speak on, you know? The tra traumatizing suffocating effects of violence which is by administrative design, by the way, conditions prisoners to use violence, thereby condemning them to recidivism. In essence, violence in every single prison in this country is completely within the control of Department of Corrections or with their, their administrative elements therein because they are the ones that are limiting the the resources inside prisons that the people are fighting over. For instance, you're fighting over a pull-up bar. You're fighting over a dip bar. You're fighting over a phone. You're fighting over the fact that you don't have store. You know, all these resources are in the control of the administration. And they wonder why it's so violent inside prison. It's because of the way that they've created this corrupt system. All right. Uh, so number seven, mass incarceration fails to treat mental health disorders. I know Linda really would like to speak on this one, so I'll let her take that one off the top, and then I'll move. I'll say what I have. I would say about fifty percent of those incarcerated are on drug offenses, and only twenty percent of those individuals receive uh, addiction treatment for their drug abuse. That's absurd. So you're saying that when they when they're coming into prison the the prison system itself they have a mental health disorder and they've been criminalized and not given no treatment for that for that abuse. Yes, treatment is is very scarce. So in your opinion do you think that that that, that there's other people that are coming in uh with other disorders uh, other oh, than a substance? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think a uh, majority of people are coming in with mental health disorders I agree. that I, are I, I, untreated. I agree 100%. Since I've been incarcerated, uh, I'd say 99.9% .9 of everybody I've met in prison 
uh, has some type of mental health disorder, and I agree with you 100%, and it's not addressed in prison system. So those root causes uh, are are essentially um, being uh, stifled until they get out, and then upon release, they res- they they commit new offenses because they're they're those those issues have not been addressed. So yeah, you're right, Linda. I appreciate that one. Number six, mass incarceration keeps prisoners stupid and uneducated. Uh, that is a, a straight to the point uh, reason. Essentially, everybody in prison recidivists. I mean, let's let's keep it real. The recidivism rate in America is is just outrageous. 82% within the first 10 years come back to prison, and that's because it's by design. They've designed this corrupt system so that we, they keep us stupid. They, keep, they did the same thing with the African Americans back during slavery. Don't educate them. Don't give them no reading materials. Don't teach them to read. Essentially the exact same thing they're doing to us in prison today. Don't give them no college degrees. Don't give them technical education. Don't give them any kind of uh, access to, to, to change in their lives when they get out, and they're going to come back. So, uh, what do you do? You, what, how do you feel about that, Linda? Yeah, I think that one speaks for itself. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, that that uh, the American people have been hobbled by this system, and uh, it's it's terrible. I mean, they stigmatize crime and criminals. But in actuality, it's, it's, this system is what is creating the crime in this country. I mean, the large percentage of people that are committing crime are recidivists. And that means that they, the state already had a bite at the apple. They had a chance to turn these people into productive members of society, and they absconded from that responsibility. It's absurd. All right, number five, hate begets more hate. Mass incarceration began in and is filled with systemic oppression and racism. It preys on the poor, those with mental health disorders. That one is so relevant and and speaks for itself, just like Linda said. Um, Since I've been incarcerated, uh, I I literally have never met anybody in prison that was not poor, a minority, or those with mental health. Not one. And I've been incarcerated for over 20 years, so I, I have, I've known almost every single time that they fall in one of these three categories. It's such an unfair system. They're preying on the working class. They're preying on the poor. They're preying on the, just the, the majority of Americans. And the thing is, is that Americans are falling for it. They're being hoodwinked by their own government. And, uh, yeah, the systemic oppression and racism – me and uh, Linda were just talking about what what was this what was the statistic you uh, in, in regards to I mean we're going to come to that statistic later on but what what, what did you find in the 70s uh, Linda well uh, before 1970 there was less than 200,000 individuals in the prison system and since then it has grown to over 1.3 million oh my gosh so I mean that's no, that's absurd. So th- th- essentially, it exploded from the seventies yeah. until today. And I wish we could. I wish we could just take it down to a granular level and say how many of those people were rich. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. I I would take a guess that most of them have mental health disorders and addiction issues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or they are minorities and they were preyed upon uh, mm-hmm. due to racism. I mean, that lady that just was murdered by the cops the other day. Uh, Takaya that, that, Young. Yeah, Takaya Young. What 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 a what a oh my gosh. How did that make you feel, uh, Linda, when you heard about that? It was saddening. Yeah, and it's happening over and over. This militaristic culture of law enforcement, it pervades every of our American system from the top down, and that's the reason why Defund DOC is starting to come out and speak out about this system. It's corrupt, and we need to start from the top, DOC, and move down to law enforcement. You know what I mean? If we can... If we can take DOC down to, uh, to to turn all prisons into treatment and career centers, then we're going to end recidivist crime. Crime is going to end in this country as far as recidivism goes. Now, of course, there's always going to be first-time offenders, but they're going to get the the state's going to get a bite of the apple. Then you know. Oh, okay, so let's go to number four. Mass incarceration severely victimizes innocent children of prisoners, leading to immeasurable mental health trauma, making them susceptible, potentially even likely, to end up in foster care, drop out of school, join gangs, commit crime, and result in intergenerational incarceration. So I, I love the way that Linda used that word, it speaks for itself. I mean, can you imagine growing up without a father or mother that's been incarcerated and, and they're, they're people that they look up to are in prison? I mean, the mental trauma that they're suffering being separated from their loved ones is uh, is outrageous. And, and the stigma that society has gave to them because of this, too, is like they they may feel like an outcast having a parent that's incarcerated. I can speak for myself in regards to my son. I I haven't been able to speak to my son in years. Uh, the stigma out there the, that that oh his just because his father made a bad decision some years ago, now all of a sudden he's 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 not no he's not a good person. These are this is this is what evil is. This is called prejudice. And uh, I am a good person. And anybody that knows me knows I'm a good person. But yet the society and the system want to perpetuate that stereotype that you're in prison, you're bad, period. And that's evil, you know. And then, and, and then who are they going to look up to? I mean, they're first they're probably going into foster care. Then, then they're going to drop out of school, join mm-hmm. gangs, commit crime, and uh, intergenerational incarceration. It's, yeah. it's sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very sad. Yeah. Uh, Okay, number three, mass prisoner enslavement is a repugnant atrocity against human rights, keeps prisoners financially insecure, which drastically increases recidivism and outrageously deprives victims and creditors of the money owed to them. So a lot of people want to use euphemisms and, like, keep this dirty and evil, wicked practice that is so prevalent in this country, it's happening in every single state of this union, and the people don't even realize it. I mean, when you speak to somebody and say, hey, do you, how do you feel about slavery happening in this country? Not only does it happen, it is happening right now. Mm-hmm. There's, 
Every single prisoner in this country is considered a slave under the 13th Amendment. And uh, we want to abolish that amendment. We want to push uh, uh, for uh, ending prison slavery, have his labor be worth something, pay their victims back, pay the courts back, the creditors. They'd be able to buy a house upon their release or an apartment to start their life. Essentially, uh, mass incarceration, number two. This is number two, everybody. Uh, Number two, mass incarceration is coming for you, your grandchildren your children, your descendants, your foster kids, and your veterans. If nothing I have spoken to you has appealed to you yet, I mean, if none of that has, has touched your heart to, to get a part of this struggle, to become a part of the new Underground Railroad that this is becoming, then uh, let this just sink in for a second. Mass incarceration at the rate that we're going right now will essentially incarcerate virtually every single person in this country is going to know somebody that's incarcerated or been incarcerated at some point. The statistics uh, I would let uh, Linda speak on, but yeah, it's outrageous. Go go ahead, Linda, enlighten this audience with your data on that. Uh, The data that I found was give it about 70 years and it'll cut the U.S population in half no way so 70 years from now if we keep going the way that we're going the half of the american population will be a slave class it could very well be half that is outrageous thank you linda that is amazing and you know what I think that it, that should appeal to every single American right now listening to this or people around the world. Maybe they want to be a part of the struggle. This is not just for the, the, you know, the person that has interaction with the judicial system or the criminal justice system. This is for uh, somebody that just uh, can, can see the injustice that is happening to the American people. They're using these crime, the, you see the media talking about crime and criminals. Just just know that they're giving a, a dog whistle to say, let's lock up more of these kids, sons and daughters of America. When, you're, when, when your son or daughter commits a, a offense inside the house, do you treat them like a slave? Do you turn them into a slave? I don't think so. And I don't think that, that it's right that a government that gets its just power from the consent of the governed should be allowed to enslave, to thereby enslave their people. I mean, we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, yet they're enslaving us, and they're enslaving our, our, our kids, our descendants. In 70 years, Linda said, it's going to be half of the American population. So, yeah, I, I just really hope that uh, that you'll be able to, you know, come to come to uh, understand the gravity of what we're facing in this country. Thank you, Linda. That was amazing data. Um, that, that actually really compelling. So, essentially, every single American alive today is going to uh, know somebody that is going to know somebody that's incarcerated, and it's going to only get worse. So. Yeah, that's bad. Um, the number one metric or reason mass incarceration is absolutely a failed experience on every metric. It traps Americans in recidivism. It guarantees millions of new victims every year and has the worst return on investment for taxpayers in the history of the world and makes the U.S. look cruel, 
harsh, uncivilized, and like sophisticated thieves of freedom at home and abroad. So that's just unbelievable that we have been going on this for 50 years now. Mass incarceration really got going after the 70s. So yeah, it traps people in recidivism. It's there. Nobody's being educated. Guarantees millions of new victims yearly. So essentially, every single person that's going to leave prison today or tomorrow or for the rest of the year, 80. Two percent of them. Did, what is a? Uh, uh, could you uh, look on online real quick for us, Linda, and, t- and tell uh, what the recidivism rate is currently uh, in uh, America? Yes, the recidivism rate in the U.S. is 67.5 percent, and it says wow. more than 50 percent of former prisoners are incarcerated again within three years. Wow. And so, what is the rate for after ten uh, for ten years? I I, I could have swore it was eighty two percent or something like that, or after up to ten years or something like that. After the first three, mm-hmm. it's sixty five percent, and then after the first ten years after release, eighty two percent of state prisoners had been arrested again. Oh my gosh! Yeah, see, so this is just such a huge injustice happening to our people, and it. it the stigma that the media has portrayed against our people, the American people, has influenced them so much that people don't even they, – they, they think, oh, you know, like they think these are like abstract people that are being incarcerated as slaves as, instead of seeing these as our own community members. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Can you, can you please share with the audience the recidivism rate in Norway? Norway is only 20%. Oh wow, that's that's absurd. So twenty, from eighty three percent down to twenty percent. Yeah, that's pretty extreme. That, yeah, and you know we're the richest country in the world. I mean, we can put more into our people than Norway can. Can you imagine if we actually treat our people like regular human beings as, instead of animals? You know, they walk people around with dog leashes in in prison, have them in cages. And they warehouse them, the guards in prison. They're so prejudiced against our own people, so bad that to them, it would be fine to just put them in a cell, give them 2,000 calories and a mat on the floor, and uh, that, and just put them in there for 100 years. To them, that's how that's how prejudiced they are. These are our own people. It's just absurd to me, and it's absurd to a lot of people. When we come to uh, when we come to these. Uh, podcast we kind of we're kind we're kind of starting from a standpoint of not having very much experience on the broadcasting and communication so uh you know we're you just be patient with us but we we're going to work hard for the american people we're going to work hard for you listening this is this is not just a regular podcast this is going to be a movement and it's going to be it's going to be hard but uh i promise you this is this injustice that's happening on, right under the American people's nose, due to the, the the abuse of past generations creating mass incarceration. It could be stopped, but we have to just put our feet down. But I know that whoever gets a part of this struggle, their name is going to be written in glory. I promise you, a hundred years from now, those reformists, those prison reform activists that be, become part of this struggle, they will be known for the ones liberating the American people. So I want to thank everybody that is listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good day.